Marley was dead, and so was Rush Limbaugh. Join the Buzzards for yet another remake of the Timeless Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, the $5 Buzz Holiday Spectacular, Buzzards on Ice, a Season 2 Retrospective Christmas Bash, on this episode of $5 Buzz. Welcome to a very special uh, holiday edition retrospective of $5 Buzz. Sitting in here in the hosting chair, I am Nate Garden down here in, uh, what do you call it, Roger? My, my homogenized, sterilized uh, Orange County home. That's about right, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. American <laughs> dream realized, depending on your politics. Uh, up north, 50 miles or so, uh, up to 405, joining us from Los Angeles, as he's uh, wanted to say. Roger Mayer, or in, uh, for tonight's purposes, the, the ghost of Christmas past. Um, also in Los Angeles. Hi, yes. Hi. Yes. Yes. We, <laughs> I, hi. How are you doing the there, boy. Roger? How are things up there in the uh, in the brewery? I, I just want to give everybody over here. This is our boy Nate's first time leading the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I want to make that a note announcement. That's very. The we're buzzards, very excited. The and buzzards Nate, are all together this evening. You know, it was raining yesterday pretty heavily up here, and it was pretty damn cold for us. And because I live in this beer cooler, it's usually actually, oddly enough, fucking hot as hell. <laughs> but finally, it's finally gotten cold enough where nobody needs to even put a fan on. It was miserable yesterday. The, 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 all the traffic accidents and stuff. Because in here, and I don't know, the rest of the country, in California, it doesn't rain that often. We get all this uh, oil slick on the road. And when that rain comes down, people not knowing how to. They didn't all grow up in the Northeast like we did, Peter. They, uh, That's right, man. <laughs> they didn't They didn't get in uh, 360 uh, wipeouts on military turnpike. <laughs> exactly. in the <laughs> man, it goes to shit awful quick, man. Your commute can go from 10 minutes to an hour and a half. Awful oh, fast. yeah. All right, where was I in the introductions here? I need to do the other two gentlemen. That okay. Also joining us from Los Angeles, West Hollywood's very own Peter Liska, or if tonight's purposes were the, the, the ghost of Christmas future. Is that right, Peter? That's correct. The ghost, of, the ghost of Christmas future. How are things up there in, uh, in West Hollywood? I got to say, today's been a good day. You know, uh, I got one more day of work until I'm on a little hiatus. Um, baby is uh, is amazing, and uh, life is beautiful up here in West nice. Hollywood. Good to hear. Good to hear. Enjoy that tummy time while you can, because once they're up on two wheels, man, it's party <laughs> over, dude. So party's I hear. over. And last but not least, joining us from Connecticut. What's the city again, George? Fairfield, Connecticut. Fairfield, Connecticut. It's yes. it's, it's the ghost of Christmas uh, present. Yeah, I was George able Pixar. to. I managed to pull myself away from Fizzy Wigs party, and uh, <laughs> now I'm joining uh, the other ghosts and. You know, hell, Nate. Maybe we'll get a an appearance from uh, Tiny Tim himself at some point. No, well, for uh, tonight's purposes, I'm gonna be Nate Cratchy. I, and, and, Nate Cratchy. Even the Dickensian theme. I, I even got my fucking Oliver Twist hat out here. Yes, that's awesome. Nice. But uh, you guys might be uh, Pete and Nate. You'd probably be interested in hearing that. Uh, wrapping up the year and uh, after the Christmas holiday going to jam the family up to the Adirondacks, and uh, we want to take the girls up to. Uh, my two daughters up to Lake Placid and skate on the Olympic uh, ice. Cause last time we were up there, we, we did, we hung out at Whiteface mountain, but we didn't really, they were pretty interested in checking out the uh, skating, but uh, 
I thought that'd be cool to tie in with the uh, Adirondack uh, Northern New York. Uh, you know, since you guys can't be there for the holidays, you can be there in spirit. And I will uh, tell everyone on the ground that uh, you send your uh, best wishes. You want to hear a quick, a quick, quick story about Lake Placid. Um, yeah. my, my father was an EMT in the head of uh, the EMT services for the 1980 Olympics. And Mirror Lake is the lake that the town of Lake Placid sits on, actually. Right. And they had the they had the closing ceremonies on Mirror Lake, and it's a it's a story I always remember from my childhood is that there were so many people on that lake for the closing ceremonies you could feel it rocking. It was it was probably three feet thick frozen, but you could there was so many people and vehicles on it that you could feel it actually moving. He said it was one of the one of the coolest and uh, weirdest experiences of his life. <laughs> my and mother it- every year for Christmas would get my brothers and I, and we dreaded this. She would always get the stars on ice fucking tickets and they'd be in our stocking and we would have to go with <laughs> my mom and my grandmother. And this went on like well into like college and like you'd be home with your friends and I don't know how many of those things I took in hung over and just have it. And now I would appreciate it. But back then the last thing I wanted to do was go watch some washed up, you know, Scott Hamilton, skating on the olympic ice in like 1997 <laughs> it's just not my jam i want to be back to monopole with you buddy not, like, it's funny dude well, it's funny moves. um <laughs> scott hamill can call an ice skating uh you know performance like with the enthusiasm level of like a uh liquored up uh college <laughs> football Duke. radio announcer man the guy is really into it i i'll give him the credit but um, yeah, man, that guy can't, he can't, he can't pay for a drink or a steak in Lake Placid, man. He's got, he's got an open tab. And and speaking of uh, the goat of of Christmas past or the past, it's Nate. I always got a kick out of when uh, you, when we were talking about Lake Placid on another episode, you know, I think the general public like has this like romantic feeling about the 1980 Olympics, but you really shed some light and say, it was the the most poorly produced Olympics ever. They were they didn't have the infrastructure. It was a complete no, show. No. Yeah, <laughs> slapped up these shitty motels to accommodate everybody from all over the world. Those are all like Section Eight housing on Route Nine now. Like it's it's a Pete knows. Oh, yeah. Some of my earliest memories are growing up with that stupid raccoon logo. Like that's the earliest yeah. thing I remember from my childhood was seeing that raccoon. Yep. Everywhere. I remember right. it too, dude. It, he had like a little hockey stick or something like that. Yeah, he yeah. was that guy. Been, that little guy was Olympics. everywhere. Yeah, I, I went to the 2010 games in Vancouver, and I like I, that could never be replicated in shitty Lake Placid. There's no way they could pull that off. It was uh, it, it, a lot of work goes into an Olympic games. And I think in the 1980, though, I think we were still in the infancy of uh, broadcasting, you know, world world class sporting events like that. Now it's like, yeah, you know, what what what. It's poorly, poorly executed Olympics. Right. Now, speaking of Olympics, I actually enjoy the Olympics. Like, dude, one of my favorite things is to watch that fucking event biathlon. I think when you get all these like Norwegian and sweet, like Nordic country guys, like they, they're doing like cross country skiing. They take a little break to fucking fire off a couple of rounds of the, the rifle, maybe have a SIG and fucking do it. I don't know. There's something about that event that I fascinates me, but I, I don't know, man, I kind of have a problem with this year's Olympics because, you know, uh, not that the U S is, uh, 
you know, an altar boy, but it seems like the world is not really getting behind this Beijing Olympics. So uh, is it in Beijing? I feel like they just had something over there for the Olympics. Is it in Tokyo? Is it Tokyo? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, is it? Okay. It's in, it's, it's, it's oh. in China somewhere. Yeah, it's I thought it was in China. China. Yeah. It's in China? So yeah. what do you what, what do you guys think about, uh, is this to be boycotted? Is it, do I feel like a... I think it's, an it's insensitive right asshole for watching these Olympics and getting into it. I, I don't really I don't think I don't I don't think anything should be boycotted. It's okay. in Be- Beijing, by the way. You know? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, what we're doing, we're, we're not sending a whole uh, uh, co- like a congressional. Uh, the, the, the just the, DC isn't sending a, 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 an envoy over or whatever. That that's the whole thing. The the level of colloquialism is going to be uh, dampened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're not sending it. I mean, China, there's some pretty serious fucking human rights abuses going on over there. I mean, it's not the... Right. So I mean, that's that's what I'm kind of getting at is that yeah. uh, we're putting... People are drawing lines in the sand and daring uh, folks to walk across it. Yeah. But uh, I guess uh, let he, uh, without sin, throw the first rock. Is that how the saying goes? I mean, yeah. who the fuck is... Uh, the U.S. or any of these governments to really be uh, criticizing anyone else, but you know, we buy shit from their work camps. You know, it's like we got all this money being made off off uh, uh, outsourced uh, labor. You know, it's like you, it's like complaining about farmers with your mouthful. You know, it's like yeah, I, this, I, I is, this, this conversation is already so five dollar bucks. <laughs> yeah, and dude, I'll just wrap it up saying this, dude, and you guys can give me your comments on. Uh, how we should feel about the Olympics. But I went into the fucking Apple store the other day and I was really upset because I had to buy a new charger for my laptop and uh, the guy banged me for 80 bucks. And dude, I don't know about you guys. You go in the Apple store and they have like this like holier than now atmosphere that I don't really agree with. And I'm just annoyed when I walk up there. I'm like, I have to fucking (laughs) participate in this. And the guy's like, all right, 80 bucks. I'm like, dude, this is made by slave wager and you're banging me for 80 bucks. What the fuck, man? I just had to fucking get some shots in there and no one appreciated it. You know, no one did. And the, the, poor kid, the, the poor kid, the genius bar making 15 bucks an hour, getting robbed by Apple, too. And no, he was some older gentleman who probably <laughs> retired and is trying to show off on the Internet. I don't know, man. But, uh, the, you know, I'm like an old man young at the crowds. Roger, get us back on track here. Hey, so, yeah, so we're doing a little Christmas theme here, right, guys, gentlemen? Yeah. So what's uh holiday Rogers? Holiday theme. It's a holiday fucking theme, you know, for the goddamn holidays. And uh, I yeah, I just dropped a uh, thing that I produced that has the two elements that I hate worse than anything else, but the video turned out great. It was about cars and uh Christmas. It's a Christmas ad. Jesus Christ, who ever thought I'd be one of those, especially about a car. Anyway, um, so wh- how do we start there, uh, my friend? Well, what we're talking about, Raj, is since you're the ghost of Christmas past, might we start the conversation off with um, notable dead people? Deaths. Notable deaths. Well, you know, let's talk about notable. And I don't even care if it's from this year. It could be any notable death. Really. Favorite deaths. Favorite deaths. <laughs> Just compiling that list, and it's it's quite an extensive list of. Some of the uh, people that we've lost this year. In fact, I can't even really hit them all because we'd sit here and do the whole goddamn show about that. You know, we've lost, you know, Stephen Sondheim, who's 
West Side Story came out. That was to, a big just, one, yeah. Bird, you know, Michael Nesmith from the Monkees, who produced Repo Man and author hey, Ann Rice. Uh, you know, we got a bunch of, you know, one of my heroes, Melvin Van Peebles, did the uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, the right. first true black exploitation film. Where, but I, I like to call it the first real true black independent film ever made uh, by an all white. It was rated X by an all white jury. Um, we've had uh, one of my heroes, Jean-Paul Belmondo, who was in the great movie Breathless, who was one of the cornerstones of the new wave cinema had died. Um, Dean Stockwell died and we got some quite a few musicians, as we all know. Uh, Nate, our boy, Charlie Watts died from the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And Lee Scratch Perry, perhaps one of the most famous uh, producers in reggae music. One of my personal favorites in did all that stuff with Junior Mervin. And uh, see, I uh, some people that I sort of like feel related to in some ways. Joey Jordanson from the band Slipknot died. He was their drummer. And I did one of the produced one of his music videos when he was in a band called Scar the Martyr. Young man who died. Uh, Michael K. Williams died. And Asner oh, died. Oh, that was a big one. Yeah. Asner, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a, there's a lot of motherfuckers on here. It's 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 kind of it's kind of interesting to think. You know, you got Sondheim, Nesmith, um, Charlie, um, up at the bar. You know, all world class musicians. We Dustin lost a lot Bell, of wor- uh, yeah, Bell, exactly, yep, exactly. Bismarcky and DMX and that's right, world class musicians up there. Robbie Shakespeare from Sly and Robbie and Bunny Whaler and Chick Corea and yeah. That- the musician that'd be, uh, uh, that's a great theme for a uh, a playlist. A list you know? goes on and on. Mick Rock, who did the album covers for Lou Reed's Transformers, the Stooges Raw Power. I can't, oh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I followed him on Instagram, and that dude just churns out like his archive is fucking amazing. Like hanging out with Freddie Mercury and David Bowie, and I mean, the guy has been there for fucking everything essentially, right? Mick, oh, Rock? yeah, 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 Mick Rock. Was uh was you know he was one of those big dog photographers. Mm-hmm. You know, we Tell got, these uh, guys when they die, it's like everyone moves up a notch. It's like when you're at the top of your field, it's like everyone. You didn't uh, Jack Nicholson used to say that about Marlon Brando? And Marlon goes, "We all move up a notch." That's well, that's I guess that's that's that happened a while ago. Yeah, I mean, that's the analogy I'm making. Though we yeah. had some of those deaths this year. Nor- and some comedians like Norm Macdonald and oh. Jackie Mason and oh, Mort yeah. Saul. You know, uh, some actors like uh, Ned Beatty and Christopher Plummer and George Siegel and Yafit Koto and Christopher Plummer. I never said Christopher Plummer. And uh, what's the two women, Cloris Leachman? And uh, it's just it's it's crazy. And then, you know, we lost some people this year who probably are better off gone, you know, and, and probably the world's better for it a little bit. Bernie Madoff and Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Favorite death segment. Here we go. (laughs) Humble opinion there. Olympia. Pull out for Rush. There you go. Go A little Vicodin too. Put some Vicodin. I didn't know Bernie Madoff was still alive. Crazy. I I I would have got that one wrong. Dude, the best punishment for that fucking guy. There should have been a closed circuit television camera on that guy, twenty four seven. So everyone in the world, he fucking ripped off. You could watch that bastard never eat a fucking steak again. Like that would have been the best punishment. Do you remember how angry you were at that story? I just remember. <laughs> I hate. I. I. I'm like, this is. 
fucking incredible. Yeah. The, I mean, and he really is the only one that got punished for crimes that happened by a lot of these people all the time, right? I mean, just on different. He was just he was just a little dumber and maybe more basic about it. You know, but if we gave well, the most, you need, you know, how much the most time in the segment to two assholes that died. <laughs> know, Roger right? was uh, <laughs> speaking of assholes. Did Donald Rumsfeld die this year? Or was that 2020? I think that was the year before. And if he was this Bob year, Dole. Bob, Bob Dole, Dole I was going to say Bob Dole died. Uh, Colin Powell died. Walter Mondale died. Who's the other? The guy that got COVID at the, uh, at the, at the, at the Texas uh, Trump rally that no one attended. Who was the, uh, African-American Republican dude. What the hell? Who, who was that? Herman Cain? Yeah, 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 yeah. He died. Oh, yeah. Well, he did? Damn. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't put him on the list. Ed Asner died. Sonny Chiba, who played uh, oh, you know, sent the sword and Kill Bill, the guy who gives her the sword. Um, He's also he a went... prominent part of the uh, dialogue of True Romance when Christian Slater is trying to uh, impress... Uh, his uh, soon-to-be wife, Roger. Is that right? He's talking about Sonny Chiba? Yes, that's right. That's all Tarantino dialogue uh, coming through uh, Christian Slater there, right? That, that's right. Yeah. Helen McCrory died. She, if, you, if anybody's a Peaky Blinders fan. I gotta aunt, get... To, I gotta see that she the mom? Show, man. The, the aunt. Yeah, the... the oh, do you the, guys the do you guys fully uh, endorse that show? That show's incredible. I fucking love that show. I got to see it. You, it's right up your alley, George. Yeah. Cillian Murphy and Tom Hardy. Is that right? Yeah. Killian Murphy. Killian yeah. Murphy. Yeah. Those guys. And are he, and awesome he, he's guys. really the, he's really the forest in it. You know, yeah. Tom Hardy comes in a little later, but he's fucking incredible in it. It's a great, great show. Yeah. yeah he doesn't just walk on kind of long extended cameo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, you guys know who Paul Mooney was? He yeah, was, the guy. Yeah, yeah, Paul Mooney died. He was Richard's right hand man, you know, he kind of wrote a lot of uh, wrote with um, Richard Pryor back in the day. A couple of directors, Richard Donner, who did Superman and Lethal Weapons movies, died, and Monty Hellman, who did Black, Black, uh, Two Lane Blacktop. My man, Monty, I met him, nice gentleman, yeah. And then I wouldn't go without saying that, of course, um, uh, Helena Hutchins, of course, died. The young woman who died being shot in the face by Alec Baldwin. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, he didn't pull the trigger, apparently. Man, you know what, dude? I got to tell you something, man. The way that th- that whole situation is being treated like entertainment and to a certain degree is like, I don't know, man. Do we need like the behind the scene, you know, the interview and it's just fucking wrong, man. It, it's just terrible, dude. You yeah. know what, George, though, you, to your point, I mean, it is wrong. And it's like uh, something you said about um, that show Dope Sick yeah. that I've been carrying with me. I'm, I don't know that I even want to watch the show. And everyone says it's really good. Cast is incredible and all that. But ultimately, they're making a show and making money just like everybody else off of this topic now what's the responsible thing to do there is it irresponsible to make a show about this honestly no no i, I don't think there's anything off limits to make a documentary show about it's not a documentary show though it's no, a it's a, it's a dramatic 
you okay. know, narrative. I mean, I mean, does all subjects have to be, you know, about something pleasant? I mean, you know, that. no, 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 no. I know that's an obvious, you know, it's a rhetorical question. It's not, it's not, I didn't mean for you guys to just say yes. You know? What I'm saying is George, George told me that he was just immediately out of the gate, not interested in the show because he was already fed up with the toll that this subject matter has taken on the, on the earth. And that actually stuck with me. I haven't seen the show. I kind of want to. It well, humanizes the, the situation. That's the thing that's the key to it, is it gives a face to the people that died. You know, yeah. you know that they're fictional. They're but I know personally people that have died from this. Everybody does. Right. I, I get that. But we also look at it as we always call it this big epidemic. It's a big epidemic. But the television show does a very strong um, point to make about, you know, who's at fault. And it's it's in it. You know, we're all kind of culpable, right? I mean, that's it, that's the ultimate result of the show is that you know the doctors who prescribed it are as culpable as those that cr- created it, as those as you know those of us who just became addicted to it on some level. I mean, I, I know we can't, you know, it's like blaming the victim there in the last part I just said, but you know, and, and because of the how the was set up and it was fed the lies that it was completely non-addictive, yada yada yada. Now. I've seen it used in a storyline where it was done, um, I guess, flippant just to tell a story. And that was in the TV show Goliath. They used, in the last season, they used the, the, the opioid epidemic in a way that was like if CSI was going to do it. And that's that is what you're talking about. Dope Maybe, Sick does yeah. a very strong uh, job at trying to humanize an epidemic in a way that has uh, foresight and or at least explain how it happens it's in depth and it's very strong and it's very powerful it's unlike you know something that just uses it as a plot point you know what i mean which is something like that it, 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 when they pull from the headlines you know and incorporating the story because they don't have a some a story to tie it to mm-hmm. this was organically made because of it right mm-hmm. this was made because they wanted to demonstrate and it's all about a doctor played by michael keaton who himself becomes fully responsible and takes that responsibility on his shoulders and he's yeah. it helps kind of bring them down a little bit for this I, I guess what i was trying to you know i i, I shouldn't uh, rush to judgment i mean i do have a problem with it like this is like a you know it's being forged into entertainment i i wish people would put more effort into listening or reading the book and really understanding the, um, the, you know, it really makes you question, you know, human motives, right? Like these people were not able to out like um, produce this addictive drug on their own, right? They got buy-in from the government. They got buy-in from academia. They got buy-in from, advertising agencies that took their money and dude you know what it's very similar to what's going on in contemporary worlds man right there's a lot of money flying around for drugs and the media wants to be a part of it and they want to be um you know everyone's taking money man everyone has their hand out and everyone's okay with this stuff and and now everyone's virtuous right they're like taking these people's names off the fucking museums after fucking 50 years of taking their money and knowing right. these people are producing fucking essentially heroin, right? And we, we, 
We had yeah. a talk about it on, on the yeah. thread a while back. Like, yeah. it, it's been an opioid epidemic in this country since the Civil War. They came back mm-hmm. addicted to morphine. Yeah. And like, in the ghetto, man, like yeah. no one gave a shit when black dudes were turning up in ERs on heroin overdoses. Now all of a sudden, they, they, you know, it, it's white moms and stuff. All of a sudden, it's, it's an epidemic. Like, yeah. it's it's this country forever man although i mean the pills have because there was so more readily available to everybody Mm -hmm. made that a much more fasting acting but the point but but the takeaway from what nate's saying is absolutely correct yes no is that someone would be there if the fucking sackler family wasn't there there would be someone there doing it because it has been happening since goddamn 19th century yeah yeah um i i mean i don't want to this is not the happiest subject but it's really fascinating how like a small group of like people can just this be responsible five dollar buzz five dollar buzz christmas special <laughs> yeah man you know pills for everybody well uh, dude popper limbaugh man if we want to just do a little bit of uh ghost of christmas presents over uh at fizzy wigs parlor there nate uh we we did an episode called uh, the Four Axemen, right? Where everyone had to pick their um, Mount Rushmore of uh, guitar players, and it's funny. One of the guys that I picked, uh, Tom Morello, he has his own podcast, and I listened to it today. And he did an episode with uh, Jerry Cantrell, who's like, if you guys remember, I've always saying, "Oh, this guy's got a new album coming out. I'd oh, love to do a man. podcast with him." And uh, you know. Uh, that didn't happen. I feel like he's doing every podcast under the sun except for $5 buzz. Go figure. But um, anyway, he, Tom Morello at the end of the show is like, dude, I need your fucking um, four Mount Rushmore guitar players. So I he thought didn't. it was pretty cool that they, they did. didn't. Yeah, they did. And uh, I think he picked Tommy Iommi, James Hetfield. Uh, Tony Iommi. I want to think yeah, Tony. He, he, uh, Malcolm Young from ACDC. Yeah. And I, I think he might have said Eddie Van Halen. I want to say he did. Uh, but it was cool that he just put him on the spot. He's like, dude, you just got to give me four right now. And those were the ones that he chose. But I thought it was pretty cool that uh, that was an episode that we did. And those guys did the same type of thing. And, uh, but we went a little deeper. So that's kind of cool. You guys had a rule too. It was none of the, uh, it wasn't that like Hendrix wasn't allowed to be on there. Didn't you just it was, Yeah, it was a, it no, Captain Becker Page, you know. Yeah. Well, um, what happened was that Roger had an article from I think it was Spin Magazine from like like fifteen years ago, or it, it's an older article, and it was the the article was about like guitar players that were not like your staples, right? You know, it was you know. Let's look beyond the fucking Rolling Stone uh, handbook of uh, guitar <laughs> players, right? That's right. So, uh, guitar is featured on Hot Topic T-shirts. Was the was and the, I, yeah. I, but honestly, on the topic of that, that was one of our great episodes, and it's it, it's just us, and it's just us tonight. And I actually yeah. like that. You know, no we've video. Taken, we've t- yeah, unfortunately not. But I mean, we've taken time to like you know we get these great guests that Roger and. George for the most part book and um but then we get the opportunity to come back and uh and the four of us talk about it which I always find to be kind of an interesting conversation too because we never really cover everything with everybody and when we first started this podcast the premise was always based around music and 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 you know we always wanted to find some kind of the interesting was about music 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. The kernel was about music, you know, and um, the fact that we're doing it and what it's evolved into is pretty incredible. I mean, because we would go from, you know, the Axemen, but we've also had a seamstress, right? <laughs> war, Quilt maker. War, a war journalist, war authors. War yeah. journalist. I mean, you know, let's go down the list, actually. A mayor. Well, one thing that we were kind of worried about that I think we actually wound up, I, 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 I think I think we did, is that we were kind of worried that we weren't going to get enough female guests. And I think that we actually wound up having a decent amount of females, whether it was the mom episode, whether it was um, the cancer episode. Uh, you know, we had Bethany on there. We had, I mean, you guys, we did a pretty good job with that, right? Bridget, if you look uh, through the last 40 episodes, there's a lot of diversity across yeah. the board, which I'm yeah. very proud of. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, got, I got a question, George. You, you Unlike, were... wait, a lot of diversity across the board. Unlike our show itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. But that's you, you, you think you're out walking the dog. George is going over some stats. And I was, we were talking, each one of you guys had like a show, like a meet the buzzards dedicated to you uh, um, episode. And I was asking George, if he had any, uh, any data on uh, remember when kiss all four members released the, 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 the solo albums on the same day. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to determine which one of you guys was the Peter Chris and who was the ace. Like who's, who's had the most downloaded uh, views on their show. And Pete, I think you are, are the, you're, you're leading the pack, man. I think you're, you're, you're the winner. Yeah. Pete is leading the pack, but also it, that episode ranks in the top 10 of everything we've done. So uh, Roger and I failed to chart, but um, the Pete episode is doing really well. And uh, I did mine early. Yeah, I mean they're still doing fine. I mean it's yeah. Roger was the first guinea pig on that whole experiment. Yeah. Buzzers the in truth, the flesh. The truth of the matter is, as as George uh, has said in the past, uh, Roger is like a warm blanket. You yeah. know, you know you're going to be okay when Roger's yeah. on the podcast because he does know, uh, you know, just the right thing about every little topic. You know, I mean George and I had one four eight most recently, and it went well, mm-hmm. but. You know, there was a lot of film talk that we missed out on. There was a lot of, yeah, know, we talking about Platoon and, and, and George and I were just like, uh, that would have been great for Roger to fucking step in on that one. <laughs> Any consolation, uh, Roger? I think you had, I, I made you the best art piece though, as far as those goes. You had, you that's had, for you sure. Had, you had the Robert Evans, uh, uh, a promo piece from the kid stays in the picture. Yeah, that's that, right. It stays in the picture. That's one of my favorite pieces uh, I've done. Was this. me too. I mean, personally, for me. <laughs> The, I, my I, favorite, my favorite piece you, you've done is was our uh, first episode of season two with uh, Dr. Rick Strassman. That that yeah, cover, that one's great. Cool. That looks so awesome. cool. We got that together at the Detroit airport that day. We dude, got- that thing could be a poster for. It's yeah. fucking killer. Whenever really I look cool. on the uh, YouTube page and I see like the thumbnails of all the episodes, that one just really fucking grabs you, man. Mm-hmm. And that's another guy that, like, dude, like. If nothing else, this guy agreed to talk to us on. I mean, this guy is like a pretty accomplished, uh, as are a lot of these people. But, you know, him is, you know, he's a fucking serious uh, academic. And, uh, you know, you know, that's just an accomplishment in himself. Ironic coming from you. Yeah, I know. Something glowing about an academic. 
Yeah. Well, like, he's he's he, he's not your typical academic, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, he's only tried it once, though, himself. Which is crazy. It changed yeah. his life, though. He, Roger, he hung up the cleats on uh, studying uh, fucking what was it? Sleep sleep deprivation or something. Yes. He he's like, you know what? I wound down that study and I jumped right into DMT. All right. So does our ghost of Christmas present? Does the ghost of Christmas present have a topic? Uh, the ghost of the ghost of Christmas present will have a topic after we take this short break halfway through the show and we'll lead back in. Hey, we have a quick favor to ask. We want to get the word out and the way to help is for you to subscribe to us on either Apple or Spotify. And it would be really huge if you give us a rating and a review. Much love. Nate, help us out here. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, the $5 Buzz uh, intermission is now complete. Uh, George, you had some Christmas present for us. Is that correct? Yeah. I guess uh, presently. You can interject. You stole a segue. Pete had a better idea, I'm sure. What, what was it, Pete? What I was going to say was. <laughs> I passively, aggressively mentioned uh, the, the indie shows. Well, we were talking about, before the break, we were talking about, you know, some of our episodes and uh, and how we were talking about how the art for the Strassman episode was uh, really stood out and really catches your eye. And I think Georgia agreed on that. Like, for some reason, that art really, really was fucking cool. And, you know, it's not the only cool art we've had. So I want to talk about the art a little bit. And, you know, the addition of Nate uh, yourself, man, uh, you're running the show. It's great to, you know, in the fourth buzzard that is uh, kind of behind the scenes doing some cool stuff. And, uh, you know, how, first of all, do you feel like your own art has evolved from yeah, starting man. this project? I was, it's ironic, Pete, that we were doing the holiday show today because I kind of came on board we we have a little side thing. I, I know Roger hates we talk about SUNY Purchase, but I'm going to talk about SUNY Purchase for a second. <laughs> we had this thing last year. I don't, I don't know how it started, but, but we, we have this thread, just some old college buddies. And I started this thing where uh, we did it. We did it. It's called Advent. And it was just a picture of George and Pete and I all together. And it was actually the day that George and, and, and brought his beautiful girls to Venice, right? That place in Venice. And in we Venice all went, that's when this show kind of started. We started talking about doing this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of like the, the infancy of $5 Buzz. We just talked about that. We were having, you guys were having drinks and uh, talking about it. And lo and behold, $5 Buzz started up. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm over here. But uh, Pete, Pete reached out and he's like, hey, would you do an art piece for us for the, I think it was the Hunter Thompson episode. I yep. was like, I'm delighted to, man, happily. But that was all based on the, uh, the, uh, the Advent t-shirt. You know what, that, that's right. I kind of actually, because it's evolved so much, I forgot about the fact that you were doing that kind of like 90s poster underground fucking vibe stuff. And yeah, that was the first one you did. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, that, that really relates to your uh, Ralph Stedman tag that I always give you, too, since you did our first episode was a Hunter S. Thompson episode. Yeah, and it's it, Ralph Stedman is a hero of mine, and I and as as is Hunter Thompson. And I think when you talk about evolution of the art, like I always take a gonzo approach to it. Like whatever the topic is, I go through your Instagram pages and try and find a way to inject you into whatever it is we're uh, we're talking about. If you go back and look at the stuff, you can – see kind of the the, the gonzo uh well that's what i'm saying is like i mean you know at first uh, 
it was, you know, it was awesome and, and exactly right. And then as you've evolved, you actually do it. The art's gotten a little more intelligent and a little, and by virtue of that, it makes you think a little more. So I've had to actually be like, Whoa, what is he trying to say here? He's saying, you know, there've been some pretty incredible imagery that you've been able to pull off. And I think that's what's really incredible about art in general is when you can say a thing and because of yourself and your, in your actual beliefs, it, it challenges people to, to see what's actually in this piece. What's actually, what's actually going on throughout like it all in the background. Cause I know you put a lot of time and effort into it and it shows, man, it, it absolutely shows. It's been, Thanks, it's man. been such a, it's been such a cool addition and another layer to the, to the whole package that is $5 buzz. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Well, you guys are really cool. Like when you, when you approached me, you were like, you, you, you're unbridled, do what you want. And, uh, I really appreciate that. It's not like I was some art whore you were feeding ideas to. I was like, just, you every time we, every time we ever get an argument is because uh, you've like made the big mistake of asking for input. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the case. You know? No, but also, man, I think it's kind of like a, uh, it fits the whole vibe of, uh, you know, we're always talking about old music and albums and stuff like that, but it's like, part of like the album vinyl experience was holding the record and it had the art. It's not like this disposable thing in your pocket, man. And it's like Sigmund with all, Bloom. With all the liner notes and shit. I love yeah. it. Well put George. Well I, I used put. to read those liner notes like religiously. I read everything on that album, man. Yeah, dude. And it, it was part of it, dude. It was like the album cover would like fucking drew you in, man. And, uh, I remember Sigmund Bloom, who was on the show, and uh, I really love listening to his podcast. And he one time said, there's something about an album, right? It's like you take a moment and you like behold, you're holding it. You behold, you're like, you're looking at it. And it, he's like, you're, you're preparing yourself to receive something. Like you're going to put the record on the fucking platter. You're going to spin it dropped it like it's an experience it's almost you're like not movie. just saying you're not yeah. just saying hey asshole play this song on your yeah. fucking uh you know yeah. thing at home you're, you're you're going through the actual motion of opening it up and putting it on and deliberately fucking placing it and then listening to it it's and, and you was absolutely and right you could listen to it in order yeah. and most importantly the album cover was also used probably in my a second most important aspect was for getting the seeds out when you were getting, you know, getting your marijuana all circled. EDs <laughs> had a different purpose, but the same, uh, same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like the album art was really, it was very important. And uh, I just, it, it kind of has that same aesthetic, that same kind of impact. And, uh, you know, I think that I just came up with something culturally relevant. It was albums were to marijuana what CDs were to cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. That's a, that's a good one. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to rack up a line on ones and zeros, man. <laughs> Goes to Christmas present. Yeah. So, um, and lastly, on the art, Roger, I'm just like looking at all the thumbnails on YouTube and the one with the, what to expect when you're expecting just makes me crack up. Like the way Pete is like looking down at the baby with like this 
ear to ear grin and Rogers like bending over with like a rolled up like fucking you know like a media shot or something there in the yeah it's just a really fucking hilarious. it's black and white it's so fucking funny but uh yeah ghost of Christmas present I was just thinking of a couple of things that at the present moment that some like cool things that maybe add to the podcast I would say is like couple ideas i always thought about it's always cool to ha- like have a caller call in i don't know i just really like that like someone just comes in with questions that we don't know like ahead of time we haven't discussed it and thought about it uh and then uh what else was i thinking about i kind of lost my train of thought, but, 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 I had a- but let me let me just say on that i mean the reason i think you're always for that and always pushing for that and i agree with you is because that's the thing about the, the the I think the joy we all get out of this whole experience is that it stimulates the art of conversation. I mean, our conversations might re- might veer and go in different directions, but we're respectful of each other, and we and we all get to say something interesting and 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 awesome. And that's what it, the point of a conversation is. And if there was one like selling point to this whole thing, is that we appreciate the art of conversation, and we just want to highlight highlight people from our generation or close to our generation that are doing fucking cool shit which is what i actually think the big step we took this season was we actually did that much uh to the credit of george and your bookings and roger and your bookings i mean we got a lot of great gen x voices and that that that, i i mean if i if i can just kind of sum up in 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 what you're saying there because i agree yeah i agree too yeah. And you know what, dude, I was thinking about it is like when we first started, when we had the idea for the podcast and like we talked about this before is like it didn't happen overnight. Like we talked about it for like two years and I think we did like two um, pilot episodes that were like a year apart. So it took yep. a while to get started. But mm-hmm. the more I thought about it is like, yeah, the original idea is the right idea. Like what make what would make this podcast different? It's like a Generation X podcast. And I don't think there's like a Generation X like um, medium or forum really. And I, that's what I would want the show to be. Just like anyone that like – it's a shared experience, man. Like the older I get, I could just tell when someone's on the level and they're not, man. Like I could just tell, dude, like whether it's the music or experiences or like the movies or we played those video games or we, we wore this fucking hat or we just knew what the sporting event was. Like we just knew, man, dude. And it's just like when you meet people, you just kind of know, man. It's like I was there, you were there and like, uh, that that was it, man. And I think that it, it kind of like became what we thought it was going to be. I don't know if we were trying that hard to make it that way, but it kind of just, I felt like it, it, that's what it is. And that's it, what I would want it to made, continue to made, be, right? I think we've made great strides in that, in that regard. And um, if I just, now that I'm thinking about it, if I had to put you on the spot and ask you if you had a favorite one that we've done, what, what, let's see your top three favorite ones. I, I, it's not really fair to say because we, we do really all, but, or what was one that marked you? Like for me, for example, the one with Cliff and the Hunter S. Thompson one kind of changed my attitude in what we could do. Cause talking to Cliff, 
you know, I was a little nervous. He's different generation. Yeah. But it was fucking awesome. We learned and it was a, it was a really incredible listen. You know what I mean? But then, but then you could turn around and say like full up was a really incredible and and interesting one. So I guess maybe it's not fair to ask like what your favorite one was, but was there a turning point when you, when we did one where you were like, wow, we might be on to something. Well, I I don't know, man. I thought the Shaka King one was a really awesome episode. That was a, that was a major turning corner. Major yeah. turn. That was I mean, Roger's booking. That was fucking yeah. great. That was Roger's booking. And uh, Roger, you're 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 not. We don't hear you at all, Roger. Can you hear me? No, yes. we do. Yeah, oh, that was an awesome booking because, um, you know, dude, the guy was getting nominated for the Academy Award. Like his movie was like very, you know, it was very timely. But like this guy fucking gave us a time of the day, obviously because of his uh, respect and friendship with Roger. But the funny thing about that episode was I was having these crazy technical difficulties and like leading right up to the show. And Roger's like, dude, you got to send the Zoom. And I'm freaking out, like trying to set up the computer in a different room. It was fucking so stressful, dude. Like quite a few of those shows were (laughs) you were. In the beginning, it was for some reason your connection yeah. was fucked. Yeah. Well, the first couple of episodes, I was doing it in my old house, and I think that the connection wasn't great. And then I finally figured it out. But we haven't had those zapping issues. But oh, uh, yeah, great. I think the Shaka King episode was one of my favorites uh, to do. You know, I, I fucking feel uh, that was a fucking very meaningful episode because i just think that guy is just gonna go on to like do some really awesome things yeah that was uh, incredible. and uh i also thought the uh you know i thought we 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 dialed into something with the the marijuana trilogy i'll say that too that you made yeah. in simpatico i was yeah. just thinking the same thing that the three marijuana episodes you know our namesake right five dollar yeah. buzz um uh for those that don't know it's a marijuana reference ladies and gentlemen so now you finally get that spoiler <laughs> on episode 40 back when five people could get an eighth for <laughs> six, six people on an eighth i think i think it requires uh more than five dollars now if there's 600 <laughs> and dude there was and you just had to continue until it was finished right there was like you <laughs> just paralyzed yourself five dollar buzz yes yeah but and I then, did not cut you off, George, but that's our, you know, that was, in fact, you said trilogy. Yeah. I mean, that's been our sort of uh, one of our through lines. Yeah. Of our show, you know. Yeah. And then the, uh, I guess the, the third one that I really liked uh, quite a bit was uh, the one with Eric Kramack, the guy from uh, who was uh, old. That was Sony. surprisingly really good for me. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about that one. And it yeah. Was, surprisingly really good it was a suny purchase episode but it was it was just cool to connect with a guy like i just thought it was cool that the guy remembered me and some of the characters from the show and that like little did he know we've been like mentioning his name like off and on for like 20 years and then the fact that the guy agreed to do it and i thought it was just very uh natural it was, conversation it was also awesome how particularly excited you were for that one yeah i was excited i was very nervous but that's the i don't know how you guys feel about this but like when you're asking these people questions like whether it's shaka king or like bethany uh mclean or you know pete jared alexander i know that we 
I felt more nervous without Roger there because I'm like, dude, we have to fucking fill all this time that, you know, Roger would probably go and get, have a fucking decent amount of airtime and questions and preparation. So it's fucking, uh, I don't know, man. It's like, you're on the spot. You, but you also want to make sure like you're dealing with some like world-class people, like, right. Whether it's Strassman or, uh, Shaka King and like, let's not forget Josh Weinstein. Yeah, Josh Weinstein. All I, these. I was, just, I was oh. just about to say we would we would be really remiss not to mention yeah. Alex, who was Rogers booking, but yeah. Nate actually came in there and yeah made that episode. I mean, something next level, man. It was a Alex. that was yeah. Alex. Yeah, that was oh that Alex. Was, yeah, yeah. Alex Rui Ball, of course. Yeah. Alex yeah. Rui Ball. That was one of the great episodes. I mean, holy moly, that was. Absolutely fantastic work. And I guess I'll let, I, I won't suck up all the air in the room, but touch wood. We've never really like whiffed. I'm always worried. Like, are we going to just fucking run out of things to say? Is this going to suck? Are we going to piss anybody off or insult? Not that we're trying to, but like, you never know. And I don't, I think we've fucking nailed it every time for the most well, part. Cause, right? Cause we go in, we go in caring. We're, we're yeah. I mean, we're, we care. We want we want people to be comfortable to speak to us, and that's part of the art of conversation, which I can't say enough. That's the thing that we need more in everyday aspect: talking to people. Yeah, Just talking. I had a, I had a weird vision today of us having Liz Cheney on. And Why not? Somebody adversarial to kind of majority of us as core being, and I, I just I had a vision today of us having her on, and how would that go when we have something? We'd be out of our depth on. Yeah, yeah she was director now, man. I would love to have Liv Cheney on. That'd be wonderful. Um, but uh, not to glow too much about somebody whom I disliked most of my life, but um, it would be fascinating to see this weird turn that this woman has really put on the planet. But uh, you know, we had so many great episodes. You know, the blood balls and. Uh, what was it? Uh, blood, boobs, and balls. Yeah. And, you know, that, that the episode, cancer episode. Yeah. That, yeah. It was, you know, but by the time we got to Josh Weinstein from The Simpsons, it felt like we were finally holding our, you know, we, we, we weren't worried or nervous yeah. anymore. And we finally had, and that was Nate's booking. I thought that was the easiest episode we've ever done. It was so fucking easy. And I wasn't on it. I yeah. wasn't on it. And it was, yeah. and I listened to it. It was just, a dream to listen to it. Dude, it, it really... was it was awesome. When I listened yeah. back to that, I was like, sorry to cut you off, Roger, but no, you're right. It was so easy because he, he was made such it. a great guest that he like he was so good, dude. Like mm-hmm. telling his story. He didn't need any questions to be asked. He just fucking drove the fucking ship, right? That's and what happens you... when you get an actual storyteller. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and dude who's done media, like mm-hmm. that's yeah. a guy who's told a story to you know a, a media uh, pool before i mean nate you got that you booked him and you know what you're responsible also for the dad episode which i thought was actually pretty well received and you know that one i got some problems with. Huh? i got some problems with that we well, do but you guys only had boy you guys you guys are dads and all and, and all you could talk about was boys and it's like you know, oh, we did a whole thing on girls. What are you talking about? Oh, I 
I was yeah. there. It was all boy centric. You no, 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 no. I'm going to argue here. I, I, I spoke to the Wait, fact. What happened to Pete? Well, I don't know. He ducked out. He dropped out. Sorry for that little technical difficulty there. But uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about those damn episodes. Yeah. We, Christmas, Christmas present was still in. Yeah. And uh, um, one episode that didn't make it. There was a few that didn't make it, not many, but that one episode, Roger, I don't know if you remember, we had an interview with a gentleman who became like the light middleweight boxing champion. So he's not the heavyweight, but he's like just one or two weight classes down. Still a, a an achievement, right? And the guy did the interview like in his backyard, walking around and no and acoustics at all. And and the, and the answers were all yes, yeah. no, yes. We were really struggling to get some uh, commentary out of that guy. I was always curious what happened. I, I made some amazing art for that one. I had, uh, I had you guys. It was like, I did like the Rocky poster with you and uh, Pete together, like in silhouette at the top. And I did a really good art piece for that, and never saw the light of day. I might just put it up anyway. Yeah, the lost, uh, <laughs> the, the lost the basement tapes episode. Yeah, I don't know. I'll go back and listen to that, but I just don't. I think the moment passed, man. Like it you was, should Mystery Science Theater three thousand that episode. Was was Cohen on that one? Yeah, yeah. He, I had Cohen hit. I had Cohen. The guy was hitting the meat while Cohen held it in the in the, in the Yeah, line. I remember that. Yeah, that didn't. That one didn't work out. Uh, so, still in Christmas present. Uh, Want to wrap that up so we can move on to Christmas future. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to uh, the future. And, um, you know, as uh, we, we send Everneeder Scrooge uh, to his next host, the ghost of Christmas future, Peter Liska in the flesh. A buzzard in the flesh. All right, well, a couple of things when I think about the future. Um, and I look back on the episodes one thing that's been sticking with me a lot is the Colin Sullivan episode where he talks about Bitcoin. Right. Now I know we're not all, you know, educated and up on it, but he really made a compelling case that Bitcoin is the future. And it's funny because since then it's taken a nosedive in value. I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing, but I still am quite convinced that, we'll all be on cryptocurrency at some point. I know we don't have to get into the minutia of the topic, but what do you guys think? I mean, do you even own any Bitcoin? I spent all mine on the Silk Road, Pete. <laughs> I did for 10 He told a great story about the guy who got busted, who owned the Silk Road on the episode. He did. He said that well, when he got busted, he, he handed over like 270 uh, coins but it's rumored he has about 6,000 plus somewhere and only he can access them because he owns, I mean, he owns the, the passwords. Yeah. I mean, someday the people are going to realize why is anybody but me controlling my money? Doesn't that seem attractive to most people? Did yeah. Did you see the guy that's looking for his laptop? Yeah. The passwords to over a half... Was it a half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin? Yeah, he, he forgot the password. There's one that's in a landfill. The guy threw out a hard drive and they're trying to excavate the landfill. Trying so, to find. So he's paying all this money in a landfill to look for this laptop. 
I did. Well, no is there any of, chance? There's no, there's no, that, as always, there's no shortage of stupid fucking people. <laughs> is there any chance he's going to recover that? I mean, come on. And is there any truth to that? Is that just an urban legend about Bitcoin? That That's what it up? sounds like, man. I feel like I've heard that story like years ago. But, I read about uh, a guy who was trying to get his password back, and yeah. like, he only had five chances to get it before it was before it dissolved. Yeah. 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 This message self-destructs. I, um, Pete, I've been thinking about that episode a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't own any Bitcoin. I'd like to have some exposure to it. Uh, I do believe that that is the future uh, one way or the other. Um, but I'm also really intrigued by his project where he's generating energy. For yeah, no, I mean, it, it's the whole it's the whole package that he was able to... Uh, figure out a way to mine Bitcoin and heat up Northern Vancouver is a pretty fascinating thing. So if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend anybody too. And then we really kicked this whole season off looking into the future with talking with Strassman and the DMT. I mean, how, I don't know about you guys and maybe it's just my, me and my Hollywood friends or whatever, but everyone's microdosing, everyone's experimenting with this shit. Psychedelics. And that seems to be kind of the future as well. I can't say I hate it. I'm kind of glad it's reaching more or less the common mass. You know, I don't know. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Or should it stay underground? Anyone? I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I've never got involved with DMT. Um, for one, you know, I just never really had an opportunity to do it. But I, I'm definitely intrigued by it. Uh, but yeah, man, I think all that stuff is good for people. You know, I've seen like uh, ketamine being used to kind of, and we talked about this ketamine being used for medical purposes, uh, psilocybin mushrooms being used for treatments. And, uh, you know, you think of, and another uh, topic is the, the marijuana trilogy, which is a future exactly. as well, like there's a lot of businesses and opportunities in marijuana. Like you just ask yourself, like why was this shit repressed for like 50 or 60 years? Like, come on, something as harmless well, as you weed. Need the jazz clubs to get it. That's why. I mean, like, can you, like, could you, could you just the, the time and energy and resources wasted on like, and, and just then you just turn, they turn around and say, Oh, just kidding. Like people have spent like, decades of their lives in jail over marijuana i mean i mean what the fuck dude it's just it's the, defies there's a whole, logic you know there's a whole it's, new world the the marijuana no. the marijuana business that we talk about is something to be proud of because there is a whole new world around that and i'm excited to be kind of at the forefront of it and, and hearing about it there are kids smoking yeah. marijuana who have no fear doing it yeah that's crazy you understand what i'm saying when I when my baby was born, Roger, when my baby was born, I walked outside, and normally you would see like doctors smoking cigarettes, but you got patients smoking marijuana, and that's accepted. And if somebody was smoking a cigarette, they'd be they'd look at them like they had three heads. Yeah. Whereas twenty years ago, that's all anybody would be doing outside of a hospital. Smoking. And now people are smoking marijuana. And if you were smoking marijuana twenty years ago, people would be looking at you like you were the yeah. the, the bad guy. That's it's incredible. I love it. It's not insane. It's good. It's great. It's amazing. Sanity is just that. I mean, just to think about it and wrap your head around. I mean, when you ever smoked pot when you were a kid, you were just so concerned about getting caught half the time. Yeah. You know, nobody gives a flying fuck. 
as they know. come in, man. We, 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 we look at marijuana, though, like, you know, with the universal thought and logic and how come this has been illegal for so long? And, like, no one ever roasted a ball and beat the shit out of their wife. You know, it's like, meanwhile, I could, how long, you know, since Prohibition ended in the Act, I could go and get booze. It's the most dangerous drug out there. And it's it's all money, man. It all boils down to money. And now that we've relaxed uh, the, the the laws on uh, on recreational marijuana, all these people that 20 years ago were dead set against it because it was packing prisons and keeping people that, you know, feeding the prison uh, industry. Now it's like, well, now, now they got their hand in the till and they want to, they want to fucking make money off of it. And it's, 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 it's how many, how many car wrecks or deaths are attributed to, uh, you know, to, to uh, marijuana versus alcohol. (laughs) It's exactly right. And I also, Pete, marijuana on here. Another we do we advocate another futuristic uh, guy I'd like to follow up with is Will Hershey. You know, he's I think that his um, fund that he raised money for, like, I think when we talked to him, he might have had like, I don't know, I think he might have had like a hundred million dollars. And then I started went to 250, 250 million dollars. Then it, it's at like half a billion. That guy's like managing in that one particular fund $500 million. He is a young man with an idea, and it's a good idea. I mean, that guy just like the trajectory just ripped up. And uh, yeah, I think that dude's onto something, man. Just like, um, all you know, the people that we've been talking about. I mean, that guy definitely is getting people's attention and he's doing some interesting things and I think it'd be cool to follow up with him. And, uh, but since we're on the topic of the future, I'm like, maybe we could talk about some future guests that we want to get, or like some people that we're hoping to talk to. Like one guy I'm trying to get on is this guy I went to elementary school with named Hugo Martin, who was, uh, one of, I think he was speaking of video games. He was like the art director of a, uh, the video game doom so i'm trying to get him to come on and uh never heard of it you never heard of doom I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's just cool that this kid i i kind of grew up with yeah, in my neighborhood yeah so uh that'd be cool and uh i got some other cool ideas that uh that's the cool thing about when you know this is the end of the season two and the end of the year and uh I like when we're able to like put our heads together and like go after some of these guests and, you know, someday like, oh, we will have Robert Trujillo on here. I from can't a wait, dude. We will it. have him on here. Yeah. And the cool thing about him is like, once you get a guy like that, you can kind of like say, Hey dude, we can get some other pretty cool musicians too. And uh, Nate, I know we're talking about your buddy, Hadrian. He's back. Cool. He's back in the, uh, back on the, back on the continent. We can get him. He's available. Yeah, so, I think talking about the future, guys. You know, the thing is, it's like, are you going to be more positive than Brian Williams was on his sign off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? I heard about I mean, it. I think I, I, I got to go watch look it. At I heard it. about it, but yeah, he pretty much said that the end of the world is coming. <laughs> I see, but I actually I disagree. I think. I think that I think that we're on the precipice of an incredible artistic renaissance because we've been there, this all of the shit that's been going on has touched everybody. This isn't just like, you know, 
everybody's been affected in one way or another. So I do think that from the ashes of, you know, this pandemic and which we've all agreed we're, we're sick of talking about the future looks good because I think out of that is going to be in artistic Renaissance and in literature and music and, and film and, and all kinds of things. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And whatever want, new technology is next. And whatever new technology is coming next. Bitcoin. I mean, we've talked to all of these people. Bitcoin. Uh, people are listening to individuals more now. People aren't just going to the shit that they've been fed forever. So I actually think the future is fucking bright. And I'm excited for the future. I think that the future is good looking. Josh spoke to that a bit with uh, the YouTube kids. Now it's like uh, yeah. all the things you can do with with uh, w- without a studio. The, you can just do your own thing now, and there's so much talent out there just waiting to be uh, unleashed because you're not beholden to you know all this money and all, all kinds of uh, restrictions and stuff. You can do your own thing and make content and broadcast it, and all you need is a fucking solid Wi-Fi signal. The last twenty years has been this doldrum of superhero films, and that's what's gonna that's what it's going to be remembered by. Yeah. And, or, or, or and, like, and, and that's what sucks. Uh, I mean, it absolutely will be. You're not wrong there. Yeah. It has. I mean, the fact that West Side Story, a prominent film director with glowing reviews in the movie, didn't do all that well in its opening weekend because those of us that are really interested in it didn't go to the theater um, because we're still not going because of pandemic fears and so forth. But the uh, you're, you're not wrong. In that uh, we've been so inundated with these men, or excuse me, uh, people in tights, that uh, it's it's been so dominant uh, at the box office. I I don't I don't see where that's changing anytime in the near future. Uh, the good thing is is that the digital platforms are the only place where those other stories and the prol- proliferation of digital platforms and how we consume content. That's where the change is going to really happen. Yeah. In the immediate future for uh, adult uh, oriented fare, shall we say? Um, uh, anything that's outside of heavy CGI content, you know? But uh, it's funny because, I mean, like, storytelling is either three minutes or nine series, nine episodes of hour long series. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no, you know, I mean, we're the least informed, most entertained fucking society on the planet, man. And we need our shit in like eight second sound bites. Like we have our reptilian cortex is dialed back so far. We need immediate gratification. And that's worldwide. But, but Nate, but Nate, is that pendulum? Is that a pendulum? And is it going to swing back? Or is it just, a, or is it just a thing that's just going to keep going? The people that have the money to make the films, it's show business, show business. And they, they want to make a product that puts meat in the seats. And right now that's fucking superhero movies and shitty like Hollywood remakes with an audience. In place. It has to come to an end. It I tell you what, dude, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's, I was... It happens on the digital platforms, Pete. I mean, that's where it's that's where the change. I mean, look at one of the number one shows on Netflix right now is a, mo- a movie that would not make that much money in the, in the theater right now. It's the most. It is a sublime piece of cinema. It's called The Power of the Dog by Jane. I heard about that. And that movie is fucking sublime. It is legit. That's a real piece of artwork. And it's thriving on Netflix. Good. Thriving. Uh, And that's that's just like Roma was a few years ago. That was one of the number one hits on Netflix. 
you know, and those are not films that are going to be making a lot of big dents in the major film market today, particularly with younger people who are the only ones going to the movies. So right what's now. Netflix? What's Netflix's motivation for investing in those films? By getting that caliber of talent and knowing they have the only resource where the people above 35 or 40 are going to watch. And that is their, their audience are us. Cause I was talking about this the other day with, with someone, how HBO has been ahead of the curve with Oz sex in the city Sopranos. They were doing shows tales from the crypt way before anybody was doing stuff like that. And they kind of still have that je ne sais quoi if for lack of a better term, but you're all of these great artistic projects are vanity projects for these huge companies. Cause what are they bringing back in when people are not going to the cinema anymore? Well, it's on subscriptions, right? I know, but you, I mean, what are you retaining subscriptions? Cause yes. eventually everybody's going to be subscribing. Subscribe. Yes, but you, you, you still have to retain subscriptions. I mean, those, I mean, those, those subscriptions still amount to, you know, $2.5 billion a year. I mean, by, by holding people on and paying that fourteen ninety nine a month. So you have to keep giving them something for paying that. And you have to give them quality entertainment. Otherwise, they're going to go to the other digital platform that's providing that entertainment that you can't find anywhere else. Roger, unrelated, do you know this? Like, gate receipts for a movie, like a week. That includes all the fucking soda and candy and shit they sell too, right? Is it? No. It doesn't. So it's just the action. Never has. So that's, it's just the, the, the receipts. No, yeah, those are box office receipts. The theaters retain all of the others, and they don't receive. Oh, they don't have to report any of that. Uh-huh. That is all their money, and they also get a percentage of those box office receipts. They yeah. are uh, when the opening weekend, those box office receipts are minimal to theaters, and they rely heavily on all the popcorn. That's why yeah. all that shit's so goddamn expensive. Sugar yeah. water, right? That's why it takes. That's why you know you spend a hundred dollars at the movie theaters. It's because you're buying pop, you know, all all the uh, condiment, you know, all the food. But the ten dollar um, popcorn with with a, a capital overhead of about eight cents. Now, when the movie does really well at the box office, theaters love it because uh, as the weeks go on, they get a bigger uh, piece of the pie, or the percentage of the box office receipts. Yeah, I, I would say one thing I wanted to say about the the superhero stuff, Pete, is uh, I there's a there's a rest stop uh, on the way to uh, between where I, my home and my office where I work, and you know sometimes you're with the traffic. I'm sitting there for like an hour, and I'll have to pull off and use the men's room. And uh, they did the there's a McDonald's in there, so when you walk in, you see like the McDonald's Happy Meal or whatever product they're pitching in it happened to be uh the eternals and i'm like we are at peak ridiculousness with um superheroes to your point where all the people in the movie just look completely absurd and when i'll be when i was a kid i was into comic books like i knew all the dc characters and the marvel characters and like i don't remember fucking anything about the eternals they're very fringe and i'm like we they have to be out of ideas with this stuff i mean i like how like you're just being bludgeoned to death with this stuff like it's gonna get even more insane i mean like i don't know i mean black adam i mean 
unless you're a comic book nerd, who the fuck knows who that is? It's now, almost I, like if you're an actor, if you're an A-list actor and you don't have a comic book, you're, you're not an working. asshole. You're, you're not know? working. Well, it's, it doesn't even have to be like a comic audience in place. Just the fact that it's a fucking comic book movie, you got a whole audience there. It's not like you don't need to be a Black Adam fan. It's like just knowing that it's a fucking Marvel or DC property, you're gonna you don't want to miss out because the whole fucking cult right. of uh, comic. I, I I will say that there are a couple of actors who have not done it yet. On in the biggest one, even though he keeps saying he's retired, I'm sure he'll be back. They've been wanting Daniel Day Lewis to be in one of those things forever, and he's always said, "Go fuck yourself." What's he gonna do, Silver Surfer or something cool? At least I hope. <laughs> I mean, is that a badge to t- take to his grave that he should be proud of? I think so. Well, it used to be back in the day that an actor would never be in a commercial. Yeah. yeah. Now there's not an or a band would ever allow their music to be on a commercial. But you know, you know that's thrown out the goddamn window when you see Black Sabbath on a car commercial, or you know, you see you know. It's they've all changed their tune about selling out and selling out used to be a thing that you did not want to do. Right mm-hmm. now, it's like the first thing you want to do. <laughs> according there's to no way. culpability because there's no one's holding their feet to the fire for selling out. Yeah. Yeah. I think Daniel I, Day needs to come. They wouldn't even call it selling out. Hell, they are at the point now where it's all called branded content and it's about your brand. So you yourself are a fucking brand that is meant to be commodified like a commercial. Yeah. As a human being, it's, I think that's the one thing that's been kind of lost in the generations below us. And I find a little bit revolting, but as somebody who makes film, I've done several commercials now, sold my soul to Satan. You know, the money's good, obviously, but you know, it, it, you got to keep working. Uh, I don't know about being in a commercial, though. I I don't know. It's it's a double edged sword, man. I think the web. I think the World Wide Web had a lot to do with it because before the internet, there were stars that would go overseas and do, um, you know, foreign. Uh, so they wouldn't have to. So they wouldn't have to uh, embarrass themselves here. In exactly. This. And you take away that market, it's like now I can't go over and you know sell Wrangler jeans and. and Japan anymore. Of course, they're they're paying Leonardo DiCaprio six million dollars to drink that sip of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey selling Lincolns and shit. But Leonardo DiCaprio has not been an American. Uh, he has not been in a superhero movie either. I will gladly note Leonardo, one of the biggest movie stars today, has not been in a superhero film. So I'll give him credit for that. He was under consideration for Aquaman and Entourage, but it went to Vincent Chase. One of the few (laughs) actors that actually uh, gets in movies that are from novels or, you know, from not not from a comic book IP. I mean, that's great and all, but is that like uh, something that he has always, you know, he's him and Brad Pitt, both legitimate in that in that regard. Both both, uh, another one I was, was thinking of. Both of them definitely legit in trying to be, you know, they want to be Paul Newman and Robert Redford, man. They don't want to be. But I mean, are they di- any different than Matt Damon or Ben Affleck? Like, I mean, well, those guys I are think willing are. to go in and you think so? I think they are much better actors yeah. than those two. I mean, I think they're all. The I same. used to like those guys a lot more, Ben Affleck and uh, Damon, but over the years, I've. Like my uh, enthusiasm for those guys have fallen off, and I guess I would say my enthusiasm for Pitt and DiCaprio have gone up. You know, agreed. 
I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is at least interesting looking. Those guys are all the most basic white guy look. Well, you could, well, I mean, that, they can't help that, right? I mean, can they help that? Okay, but the, I mean. But they choose really interesting projects. I mean, DiCaprio's relationship with Scorsese is, you know, it's storied now, right? It's as, just as powerful as Scorsese and De Niro. Well, isn't he the only uh, director he's worked with twice or something like that? Scorsese, like DiCaprio is notoriously a one-time directed uh, actor. Like Oh, God, I have to think about That's that. That's interesting. I think Scorsese is the only actor that can put up with his shit or, or has a decent working relationship. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I, I read oh, that. It's also, it's fucking Martin Scorsese. I mean, that, that the buck stops there, bro. Yeah, he probably, he has to behave. Yeah. He's still the, as far as the old dog, old guard, even Spielberg falls off from time to time. He's still the old guard. Well, that, I got a question. The man. For the group. Should deadheads be happy that Martin Scorsese is directing a film oh, about no. Jerry Garcia or sad that Jonah Hill is playing Jerry Garcia? <laughs> I'm curious. I have what's Jack the, what's Jack the, Jack the stronger Black. emotion? I think they should be happy. Well, hey, you know, I'm not a deadhead fan, but I'll be the first in line to go see it. I have no fucking interest in it. Zero. Done. My, my Jonah Hill can't get on, can't get on board with that guy. Super bad is fucking terrible and stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't find the guy remotely interesting at all. I don't know how he got as far as he great did. Wolf of Wall Street, man. Yeah, fucking anybody could have done that. Man. That movie was great. Jonah Hill had zero. Uh, I, first of all, I don't even think that movie's that great. Boiler I, Room is better. Wall Street's better. I, They're I, just trying to. I think Wolf of Wall Street blows those two movies away. Boiler Room was uh, it really captured what is fuck you punk rock dude that is a punk rock goddamn movie which one Wolf of Wall Street man that movie is a deep dive into it's a monolith yeah but Boiler Room is a movie about a time and period and that movie was about what those guys really were like Boiler Room is what, like, late 90s Long Island chop shop fucking stockbrokers were. Yeah, I I, I was when I did when I, you know, I'm going to out myself here when I did goddamn uh, (sighs) subprime mortgage loans. (laughs) I don't really have so much. I I just like, I don't know, man. I'm not buying into Jonah Hill. I I don't like, uh, I don't know. Not interested. So I like you got all of our answers there, Pete. They, yeah. and they, they diverse. Pete, and I, are you interested? And, and, and wait, you're going to eat your words when the movie comes out. I guarantee you. I honestly, at the end of the day, I've gone back and forth, but I think that it's pretty awesome that Martin. I, I'm going to say Martin Scorsese is going to do right, and it doesn't matter about Jonah Hill. Who's playing Bob Weir? <laughs> Player to be named later. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Killian Murphy would be great in that role. Well, as we uh, how does, whole so, so guys, how does the Christmas Carol end? Well, Scrooge oh, Scrooge becomes enlightened. Yeah, Tiny Tim rolls up and Scrooge throws a heart. Scrooge a heart two inches or, or two sizes, some shit yeah. like that. Like the grin. Hey, Tiny Tim makes his triumphant appearance with a grin on his face. Wait, you know, in the original text. He doesn't go to the uh, house 
of Tiny Tim and have Christmas dinner. That became uh, what everybody thinks is part of a Christmas Carol in one of the 18 million fucking adaptations for television and film. It was in one of the earliest film adaptations. You know, that was adapted. It goes so far back that that was adapted in the earliest days of cinema. I mean, we're talking like 1911 was like the first version of that. And they have been recreating that uh, piece forever and ever and ever. Is that like up to recently, as I mentioned uh, in our emails the other day, there's the new one where it's transported into modern times with uh, a black woman who is Scrooge uh, and, you know, in their rush to update it and to put it in modern times, I guess, you know, they, they didn't bother to do very well in the actual making of it because it's got nothing but really terrible reviews. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I applaud the attempt, but uh, I guess the output is not that great. However, put my uh, high school English teacher stamp on this conversation. Dickens was the like he was like the darling of the Victorian age, but he was the very first author. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Roger, but he was like the original merchandising author. Like the Pickwick Papers had, there was like merchandise that was sold for the like poor people that couldn't read because in that era, like a lot of people like to to read was a a thing. I was like a, a you had to be a, a well-bred person to have been taught to read and shit. Poor people would pay like half a penny to have dick and shit read to them. Like that's how much of an audience is. Getting. Well, that there's a reason for that, though. It was also one of the first um, where somebody stole his book and printed it without his permission and had more of those copies put out into the public. And he sued them. That company went bankrupt and only paid him a pittance for doing it. That was their slap on the hand. I mean, how the fuck do you pull it off then? I mean, what that, that's what I mean. That, that's, I mean, it was the first instance of it. Bootlegging, the first bootlegged uh, media. Yeah, they, and, and he ended up having to do the live presentation in order to make money off of it. Yeah. I'm just looking up. I mean, what year is this? this what? Was, he died in 1870, I think, or something like that. So this this would have been at the height would have been in the, the uh, early, early 1940s, something like that. Yeah. But I mean, he was big. A lot of these guys didn't Victoria. come. It was, public, it was published in 1843. Yeah. That's 177 years ago. Yeah. In England. Yeah. His dad was like in debtor's prison. Like, this is a kid who taught himself, self taught, fucking literate, literate, man. And, and was also the first writer to write by the, by the, uh, by the word. So that's why a lot of his books are very lengthy, is yeah. due to the fact that he got paid for each word that he wrote so he had he was very verbose on purpose <laughs> wow Kenzian is, is is an adjective for a reason man it's Dickensian, like, yeah yeah so how, how do you interpret interpret Dickensian? they say dark, the dark like fucking misery and just fucking cold or or, or overly like, verbose like Dickensian just kind of in my mind portrays like europe at that time man just like uh, famine and hunger and and, and just misery the actual definition is of or reminiscent of the novels of Charles Dickens, especially <laughs> suggesting the poor social conditions or wholesome characters that they portray. I think you nailed it, Nate. My job. I'm not just a podcast artist. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think uh, I think man, this is going to be one of our lengthy ones here. Dickens, we're getting paid by the we're, word. Getting, we're getting paid by the word on this one. Uh, how much does uh, yeah, uh, uh, fifteen thousand words times zero add up to? <laughs> I think we can do another hour. Let's make our money. All right. Well, so, we'll have to wait, wait for part wait, two. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. So, like Dickens, who would be a Dickens contemporary that was funny? Funny? Like, I mean, Mark Twain was later, right? Yeah, uh, that'd be about the same. No, yeah, later. I think when 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 Dickens died, he kind of took the baton. But he was more of a humorist, though. Like his, I mean, Tw- Twain. I mean, he spoke to the American South at that time. It was pretty fucking miserable too. So, was that the eighteen fifties or so? Or uh, he Twain would have been into the latter half of the nineteenth century. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mark, Mark Twain was born in eighteen thirty-five yeah. and died in nineteen ten. So, so, yes. so Dickens was a generation before him. Yeah, but they, you know, they they definitely lived in the same period. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the same time, like Bukowski and Kerouac, like that kind of. Eighteen forty and eighteen seventy are like nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety eight. That's true. Like progressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like how much fucking did the oil lamp evolve? You know. Anyway, so who's going to close this one out, gentlemen? You always, you are, you always do. So let's do a, a quick roundup here. George Kursar, what do you got to say for yourself? I'd like to say that uh, we have to be uh, pretty impressed that we turned in 40 episodes. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. We got to do bungles. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Why don't we save that? I don't what have. I can't think of one on the spot. What the fuck is a bungle? A bungle uh, is like uh, exposing somebody's oh. error. Is a, a polite way of saying it. A bungle is, for example, when I called you and said, "Can uh, and, tr- and asked you to change your copy for a cold and tried to explain a cold open to you." That was a bungle on me. I was an idiot. And I called up Roger on an episode. I'm like, can you, do you understand what a cold open is? And you were like, motherfucker, I understand what a cold open is. So therefore, that's a bungle on me. A bungle. It's we're going to go around the error. When did we, when did each one of us fuck up this last season? We're going to end with some self-deprecating humor. And I just told mine. So, uh, I'm going to pass it over to George. Yeah, I guess uh, the bungles that I have was that I I was setting up for the Shaka King episode like in real time. Was, and Was that I, season one, though? Yeah. I, was it season one? Yeah, it was season one. And then <laughs> I, I we talked about the other one was the the, the boxing episode. And uh, oh, yeah. um, I guess... I don't know. A third bungle could have been, we were supposed to record this episode the other night. And I just, I was so wiped out that I couldn't, I think I came home. It was like six o'clock and like, wow, we don't record for another four hours. Cause I'm a couple hours ahead of you guys. And I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to make it. 
and it would have been terrible. Well that challenge. You have done very well with that challenge. I couldn't imagine. I was fucking trash. And I mean, I was, I was just physically weak and I was like, I'm not going to do it. But uh, I don't know if that's a, that much of a bungle, but I just, I couldn't pull it off. So we'll accept it. I'm glad that you guys <laughs> agreed to uh, postpone it, but there's no way we would have got tonight's episode out of me the other night. I was just toast. But uh, anyway, Roger. I did an episode one time where I was full of opioids and I uh, was, uh, and luckily you guys don't remember it, but I just you kept saying, Roger, wake up. And I just kept falling asleep on the goddamn uh, podcast. I don't remember the nodcast. nodcast. I I don't. Yeah, the nodcast. I don't remember exactly what the fuck it was, but I just remember uh, me struggling through it to pay attention to what the fuck we were talking about. Struggling. I think we made it through unscathed. And then I guess my other bungle was off uh, air uh, a few times when I had uh, slept through our meetings <laughs> and missed a couple of them for one reason or another. So uh, they're not related to the other thing, but uh, necessarily. But the um, yeah, I guess that would be the crux of my bungles. Uh, Nate, uh, how about you? I actually have one for you if you want me to give it to you. But go oh, ahead. I'm fucking professional. Bungles are for amateurs, man. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. No, you know what? You know what I bungle sometimes? Sometimes I take my artistic license a little too far. And then I don't really consider what I'm putting out there with your names on it. And uh, Roger <laughs> always go with a phone call to tell me, like, no, veto. And I, got <laughs> and I resent them. And I call George. And I'm like, that motherfucker. And George talks me off the cliff. And then a couple of days later, something I'll make something way better than, than I would have stopped with had I had I pursued the, the whatever I started with. So I'm always like, and then I'll call Roger and I got to do my fucking alcoholic twelve step mea culpa. I'm like, hey Roger, I'm really sorry, man. You were right, but uh, yeah, that's those are my bungles. That, that's, that's not the bungle I was thinking of, and I'm glad that you you came up with that yourself. The only artistic bungle that was the uh, was the one for Shaka King. For some oh, reason yeah. that was the only one you didn't have a I don't that was the only one I don't think you had an inspiration for. You kind of put that one together. That was the only one you kind of put together hastily in the very beginning of our thing. That was the only one that we didn't. I think it was promote. a picture that wasn't even Shaka King. It was right. that it was somewhere. Well, I, I, it was, it was, I, I used the, the people, the, the, the men from the story. I, I used the actual uh, the, 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 the real uh, verse. I, I used the, the, the characters from uh, from 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 uh, what was that so, film? Black Judas guy. and the Black Messiah. Black Messiah, yeah. I, I used the FBI guy and the, uh, the informant. Liam O'Neill and yeah. uh, Fred Hampton. It, it was the only one that didn't quite gel, shall uh, we say. I, I, wonder why it, 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 I wasn't really on board then. I was just kind of like hired, like an uh, uncompensated hand. Right? <laughs> if, that like, is the only, if that is the only misstep in a storied career thus far on our podcast, I just had to point that out and okay. give you full disclosure. That, that to be fully transparent with you because otherwise you have been on point on every goddamn episode. Thank you, and, uh, to me. And, and I like, I, like I said earlier, man, I was there for the infancy of this when Rod, when George rented that beautiful place in Venice and we were all talking about this and it really has come full circle. So I'm glad you guys brought me on board. And it's really, it's like, if we, if only we could get paid for this, man, like yeah. this is the one thing I do, like, I, I like my work that I do. My, my, I like being a teacher, but like, yeah, this really blows my hair back. And I, I really <laughs> look forward to having an audience and, and creating is really 
something I've always wanted. And it kind of, it kind of, it's, you know, it, it scratches that itch. So it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for this. I'm grateful for my friendship with you guys. Yeah, likewise. And I think it's going to just continue to grow. I mean, it's just not something that's going to happen overnight. But uh, I think the ultimate fungal ever was uh, Stuart and the geese. <laughs> that is the ultimate fungal. <laughs> Stuart was making animals or some type of avion that's coming from his microphone. <laughs> and Roger's like, John, are there geese in your apartment? And then, like, I remember I, I was talking to uh, Tom Glasgow, a great friend of the show, and Buzzard at Large, and we were just talking about the episode, and uh, he said he looks at the art and he saw the geese, and he didn't understand what it was. And then when we talked about it on the episode, he said, God, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> you know what, guys? Oh, my God. <laughs> we cannot end this. We cannot end this without talking about Brian fucking Clancy. Yeah. Our fucking resident wine, motherfucking awesome Sommelier. episodes. Yeah, that that dude has provided some great episodes. Yeah. Oh he man, did it two himself. Yeah, two episodes. I was not fortunate enough to be on the first one, which is good because I hate white wine. But the uh, second episode, I mean, um, for me personally, fuck, I. If we do more of those kind of episodes, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I think we're talking about doing some Japanese whiskey. So he'll definitely be on season three. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Season three, guys, uh, has a nice ring to it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm looking to, forward to a little off season. And we'll circle back uh, in season three. Roger, would you like to close us out here? Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for being with us for all these 40 episodes uh, thus far. We can plan on doing a whole lot more in the coming year. Uh, we're going to take a little break now and to see us rating high in uh, January 2022. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, any ideas for future guests or episodes uh, themes, please email us at $5buzz and that's F-I-V-E-D-O-L-L-A-R-B-U-Z-Z at gmail.com please make sure to like us on our YouTube channel and subscribe to us on Spotify and or uh, Apple iTunes for in the podcast section and uh, I just want to say as I normally say that We'll answer you soon, but we're not going to this time because we're taking a break, motherfuckers. So have a wonderful and happy holidays from those of us at $5 Buzz. Hey, stay tuned. $5 Buzz will be back. Just taking a brief holiday break. For now, enjoy this uh, season two retrospect.
Yeah.